Hello and welcome to episode 172 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. It's Craig Tank and myself, David, today. Let's get started. I don't think there's been much usable anything, has there? Or unless you guys had some really witty banter that I missed out on at the beginning. We had some good uh, programming talk. Oh, okay. Tank was teaching me uh, how to <clears throat> how to write uh, COBOL. I was teaching you how. <laughs> Just imagine a terminating robot is coming after a person <laughs> and write that. <laughs> All caps. Stop! Run! <laughs> Alrighty, ready to go. Isn't that Absolutely pretty much how you program in Unity? Oh, is Unity all caps? I've never programmed Unity. <laughs> no, Unity, I'm just, the be, game I'm just being silly. Yeah, Unity is in game development. Oh, okay. <laughs> Isn't it meant to be like <laughs> you can see some things you can just like drag and drop? Mm-hmm. So there oh, probably yeah, is that, like a stop run, so, yeah. drag and drop. That was the joke. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> uh, programming jokes that Alrighty. don't work. Take it away, Tank. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Wow, you, you took it. Think it like, that, that's how Tank starts an episode. <laughs> and it's gone. I would just sit there and kind of think, think about my intro a little bit more. Um, whatever idea I have for beginning always seems really bad right as I'm about to say it. You could always so. do it again at the end. You've just got, yeah. you just got to start. Actually, I would hate it if yeah. you did that. <laughs> <laughs> so a little while ago... Um, Tim Challies posted on his Twitter feed. Uh, he said, I just cleaned up my RSS reader and am amazed and dismayed at how many bloggers stopped writing in 2018. I keep hearing that blogs are going into decline and this seems to be convincing evidence. So this, uh, this, this tweet, this Twitter post was, um, was recommended by Ben Robin. Um, and so that's how um, May he rest I began in looking peace. into it. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so that's how I began uh, looking into it, but there's actually a lot of conversation on, on this topic that seems to have started um, from Chally's and started around early January. Um, and really, the, the, the main points that he made weren't just, weren't just that bloggers are, blogs are dying, that, that people are giving up on blogs, um, but really what he saw what he sees as why this is a negative. Um, and there's quite a few points um, behind it. Uh, yeah, I think, I think his biggest is how one of the big reasons that they are dying, that they're disappearing, is that people are stopping their own personal blogs and moving what they write to what he calls ministry blogs, things like Desiring God and the Gospel Coalition, where it's a big aggregated group of different bloggers, um, different writers, uh, all posting together. And he says, you know, this isn't even a, he wouldn't call this a ministry blog necessarily, he called this like an online magazine where you can go and just see all these different columns um, and people writing. Um, and he says, two of the reasons why this is a problem, um, I, think, I think the first big one uh, is he says that you lose... Um, you lose some of the people who you were influencing because they came to read for you. And so 
One thing he quotes is, you may think that everyone reads these big ministry blogs. They don't. Just ask around at church and you'll see that the majority of good and godly people don't. They haven't formed the habit and perhaps don't have the interest. There's an important implication. Just because something has been said on one of these sites doesn't mean that it won't won't be beneficial to say it elsewhere. If you can speak to a crucial topic and reach 50 or 100 people who who otherwise wouldn't consider it, You've done good work and may find the most effective way to serve others isn't to get the message out to the widest audience, but to your audience, the one you've built a relationship with over time, the one who likes you, not just what you say. <clears throat> so those are, that's just one of his arguments. I think he goes on to say to make more and he even posts one, um, one post on his site is just a list of responses to what he said, whether for or against. Um, and so I'm, interested in hearing what um what you all have to say on this topic uh, do you all think that blogs are dying and do you think that do you th- do you um do you all agree with um Charlie's in the ideas that he's putting forward that blogs are dying that maybe ministry blogs aren't a good thing etc i think blogs are dying not just christian blogs and not just personal blogs but blogs writ large. And I think it's because people are getting to a place where they also prefer things like podcasts and YouTube, um, which I think is the the factor that he didn't, uh, that he didn't really delve too much into. Um, and so, so it seems to me almost like maybe the reason that people are uh, jumping to, you know, write for desiring God, or I heard John Pavlovitz got picked up by the, uh, Babylon B, but he's just going to keep writing the same stuff that he usually writes. Um, that was a joke. Three people found it funny. Um, <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> he's a very liberal Christian. Uh, so, okay, nice. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so so essentially what people are finding on, on their personal blogs, I think, is that their readership is going down and down and down and down. So maybe they had 50 to 100, but now they have 5 to 10 because, you know... Hmm people stopped reading blogs period and so they have a few options they could start a youtube which i think is something christians should get into without trying to be the internet's pastor uh but start start kind of a a youtube that would be similar to a very informal christian blog i think that would be awesome uh they can start a podcast um especially if they're a white guy who knows three other white guys um (laughs) or I'm, I'm, that's a joke about the the stereotype. <laughs> I think anybody can start a podcast. That we fit well, <laughs> um, or they can they can join on with somebody like Desiring God or the Gospel Coalition and kind of get their content uh, out, or, or or even a smaller publication than those two. Uh, but join on with somebody uh, and get their content out to a to a wider audience. Um, and the other thing worth bringing up here. Uh, is just that the he, he mentioned that one of the big downsides to this is that these sites like the Gospel Coalition and Desiring God, they all have editors. And that hmm. the it, what he's really lamenting, I think, in the post is is the loss of not freedom of speech per se, but, but freedom to write without, or like to be your own editor. Um, anyway, Craig, your thoughts. Because we're going in a circle here, a three a three point circle. Um, it's Bayesian. It's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, so I mean, the, in in terms of the question about is is blogging going away or something like that, 
Um, I don't think it is. I guess I kind of disagree with David in that way, but not. Uh, I do agree that it's not as prolific as it used to be. But I think there will mm. always be people who just continue to write blogs. And I don't just mean like five people. I, I mean, I'm sure there are lots of still Christian blogs out there. Um, and a lot of the people who write for Desiring God or uh, TGC or whatever um, sort of ministry platform, often they seem to also have their own publishing stream, either for those articles or for other articles um, similar. So I think I don't, I don't necessarily see... Um, TGC and Desiring God and, and places of that ilk as uh, killing off the blogosphere. I do agree with um, his assessment, though, that probably most people go looking for things there and therefore not to your average personal blog from someone. Um, I, I know that if I have a, a theological question that I can't find an answer to in a book easily, um Desiring God is one of the places I I know that I can go, and generally because there's such a wealth of content on that site, I will find something helpful. Um, so I think you know, as a resource, it's so much easier to search a an already curated list of uh, of pieces of content than to go searching the wider Christian blogosphere. And I think so from a usability perspective, um, I'm not surprised that 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 trend is sort of making it feel like Christian blogging is less of a thing because we have these sites that put out so much content that you almost don't need or don't have time to go anywhere else and look for stuff, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, in terms of the quality of articles, like he, he talks a little bit about, you know, the thing about sort of being your own editor um, and not having to be edited, I guess um, one of the things that is sort of a downside of those ministry blogs is well, for the most part, the people who are writing that content are the people who are also writing the Crossway paperbacks. Like They're the people who are already at a particular level and have a particular audience. Um, and, sh- hmm. and they introduce new bloggers from time to time. But, you know, there are familiar names there that I've seen as already published authors. Um, and so, or, or it goes the other way. They start writing for Desiring God or, or whatever, and then they end up with a book um, on the other end of it. So, I'm not saying that's wrong at all. I'm just, I I do think that, um, I guess, sort of the shift from lots of personal blogs uh, writing about all different things that are interesting to different people to a more sort of um, curated and um, streamlined source for content means that we probably are missing out on some of the sort of grassroots Christian voices. But the difficulty with caring too much about that is, like David said, not everyone is a pastor and not everyone should be a pastor and not everyone should be listened to like they're a pastor. So I'm sure there are aspects to that that are actually, it's actually better to have curated content that's been checked and theologically cross-checked with statements of faith and whatever for these organizations. But at the same time, I'm sure there are some actually really valuable voices that are being missed in the process. Hmm. Yeah. Um one of the, one of the guys who responded to Charlie's, I think he was he was the main one I saw that spoke in disagreement. Um, mm-hmm. At least that that Charlie's listed. Um, and well, to a degree, he agreed w- with a lot of Charlie's points. Um, but he was saying that you know the rise of a ministry of the ministry blogs um, 
he said that maybe for the for the writer for the blogger um this is a negative um and a lot of the things that Charlie's was saying was just the ability to write daily to write regularly to interact with your readers to practice and not have to be perfect perfectly editing edited and um your your thoughts perfectly laid out in a way that a, a ministry blog would accept um this is really empowering and helpful to the blogger himself and could be good for the audience um they said uh he said this is a downside for for the people who are writing the blogs um but for the users like you were saying craig that uh he sees it as more of a win just because of all those a lot of the things you said that you get curated people who you know if they're on this website you can you can probably trust um you're going to get uh, <clears throat> uh you can you can search um much more wider range of topics because and and multiple authors thoughts and viewpoints on a certain topic because they post so much that I tried to follow them once and I couldn't keep up at all and gave up. <laughs> um, I think that in, in what I'm, what I've pictured, I don't really follow blogs. Um, I can't think of, uh, there's a few that I've followed, um, mainly for learning Japanese. Um, and when I, when I follow the ones for learning Japanese, you know, it's not so much that I'm looking for, um, looking for an answer to a question I have about Japanese. It's, I know I've learned from this guy in the past and anything he writes, I'm going to find beneficial to my study of Japanese. Um, and so it's the user of a personal blog that I can imagine, at least from my own experience, is less worrying so much about a question being answered, um, but more just has a relationship with the writer and wants and wants whatever that person has to say, or at least wants to interact with it and think about it. Um, and that to me does seem to be, uh, I, I can see how that would be disappearing, especially with, um, with all the things that David listed with YouTube and podcasts and social media and Twitter that our expectations of interacting with people, um, on that level are less sit and read, a a read a long post and instead read a, a Twitter post and a tweet, keep going to Twitter posts a tweet <laughs> and, um, and join in on that conver- that short conversation. Yeah. Partly, I think it's just a, like, that's a big thing. I reckon from, I mean, speaking from my own perspective, I, I agree with that. I think it's probably a lot of the decline, at least in the readership side of things is um, just we spend our time differently. Like I can't remember the last time I went and opened a web browser and sat down and just read for the sake of reading something. Like, oh, I'd love to hear what this mm-hmm. person thinks about this issue. Like I just don't do that. I I when I commute, I podcast so that I can or I listen to podcasts so that I'm getting content that's better for me and more entertaining than your average radio show or the music that I've listened to a million times before. Uh and mm-hmm. when I'm needing something you know the the times when i do open a web browser and and pull up some christian content it's usually because i have a question or i'm searching for something or i'm trying to explain something to someone else and i need help clarifying my own thoughts on that you know what i mean like so i'm using it as a resource i'm not using it as a magazine um and i think that's probably just part and parcel of the way that we maybe i'm speaking too generally for everyone and it's just me but 
the way that I use mm. the internet has changed from it used to be a thing where I would go on the internet. You, I would tell my parents, um, don't use the phone for the next half an hour because I'm going on the internet um, back when <laughs> dial-up was a thing. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> uh, uh, but now, you know, we're on the internet all the time and so the way we use the internet is more utilitarian rather than for enjoyment or sort of casual use. At least that's what I find. Um, and so I think mm. that has, you know, back in the day, maybe I would have gone on and every week caught up with Charlie's blog, for example. Now mm. it's times like this when he's writing about something that I do, you know, that directly is related to me. You know, I have a blog. So when he's saying Christian blogging is declining, I want to read what he has to say about that. But other than that, I don't actually find time to read everything he posts. Um, so I think that's that's probably a big part of it as well. Yeah, that's been an interesting shift. I think that you're not alone in that. I'm going to be really interested to hear what what listeners say, if, if any of them have. I mean, Google Reader dying, I think right around there was the time when people stopped or, 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 or where, where it started to become more popular to not just subscribe to a blog and read everything that comes through. Um, hmm. But I don't think that it was because Google Reader died. I mean, for some people, it probably was because they never found... Uh, you know, a, a replacement like Feedly or 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 what have you, um, but yeah, it seems like my method for my method for finding content to read is like, uh, and I I use Twitter less and less now, uh, because it it seems like at every point they're just like, how can we shoot our readers or how how can we shoot our users in the foot, uh, with every decision <laughs> that they make, um. But I do still use it sometimes. So I, I, I'll, I'll be like scrolling through social media, uh, Twitter and Facebook mostly. And if I see something that jumps out at me, that's when I go read it. Mm-hmm. it and, and there has to be a bunch of things that are that, that all come together in, in the perfect storm. It has to be a topic that I'm interested in. It has to be a perspective or, or uh, a set of facts that I was previously unaware of. And it has to be written by someone who I either have no idea who they are at all or I respect. Um, Mm. Meaning that if I don't respect them, I just don't read it usually. Mm. Um, David doesn't read my blog. (laughs) It's because he doesn't know who I am. I didn't realize you had a blog. (laughs) (laughs) No, I guess I was, I was vaguely aware that you have a blog, but uh, that's the thing is like, I'm, I'm your friend on, uh, on the, on the book of face. Uh, I think we're, (laughs) I think I must follow you on Twitter. Uh, but I have to recognize that one of the downsides to my particular method is I've probably seen one of your posts come across one of my feeds once. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how often you post. So may- maybe that's, maybe Not that's often enough. actually a, a good hit rate. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the, I, I guess I'm kind of letting my consumption to some degree be driven by algorithms in, uh, in that sense. But then it's also mm-hmm. worth noting that I, I do the same thing with YouTube now where I subscribe to a bunch of people and I probably watch on average like one in five of their videos as they release them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I would say my rates are even lower for even for sites that I really trust, like Desiring God, for example. I am subscribed to their daily email update or whatever. And I'd say maybe once a fortnight, I actually click through and read the article. Wait, you, not pl- be- you read while playing Fortnite? Uh, once every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but but you know what i mean like that's one that i have retained that kind of constant update thing from 
And it's not that I don't like what they post. It's not like I think only one mm. in that many posts is valuable or valid. It's just that that's the way that I interact with it. That's the time that I find to do that. It's not, you know, it generally it's a, oh, Desiring God, Mark has read, rather than actually doing the reading. Yeah. Mar- Marco Arment has talked about, uh, he- he's one of the hosts of Accidental Tech Podcast. Uh, he's talked about how he has a blog, Marco.org. But he doesn't really write on it very much because he prefers to just do the podcast thing. Mm-hmm. Because the mm. podcast thing, he says, feels more like transient. It feels more like if he gets something wrong or says something poorly, he can just correct it next week. And there's not like... Mm. It's not like people are going to stumble upon him saying that wrong. They might. But podcasts don't feel as permanent. It doesn't feel like when you write a blog post and you get something wrong, like you either need to go back and fix it or like you have that wrong thing living out in the ether for people to stumble upon. But, uh, but you really do. <laughs> yeah, you, you do in podcasting, but it feels different. I, it, it, and, and I would agree with him. It feels different because you were just talking in an informal conversation and like it happened to be recorded, sure, but it's not like you specifically sat down and took the time where you could have hit backspace and and you know written the right thing you were yeah. ju- you know you were just chatting with your friends and it was no, recorded no, yeah yeah i i think i agree with him too all i'm i guess i'm just trying to I, I i'm looking at the way that i approach blogging and i think i think of it in a similar way like i i don't i don't go to my blog with a written outline and knowing exactly you know how many points i'm going to hit and exactly what i'm going to put in each of them i oh, go that's to my why blog I don't read your blog <laughs> I, no, no, it ends up being structured. And I have subheadings oh, okay. and the content's broken up as logically as it can be. But I'm usually writing from something that has created a thought that I'm then pursuing. So it's more of a, uh, like, I mean, I was reading the, the categories of blogs on Charlie's site where he's got, you know, the, the blog blog, the group blog, and the ministry blog. It's very much a blog blog. So in terms of, um, you know, it, it's communicating thoughts and experiences of the author that, are commonly using those thoughts and experiences to then point to a particular truth in some way, um, which has, which for me is like I blog as much for myself as for other people. It's a way that I can then go back and read what I've written and go, that's what I was thinking at that point in time about that particular issue. And when I think of that thing, it reminds me of that truth. Um, but I kind of do that knowing that, um, I mean, I can go, I could go on tomorrow and, change a blog I post that I wrote two years ago, I have that ability to change it. So in that way, it is transient. It isn't set in stone. It's not printed in a book somewhere. Um, but I kind of treat it like it it is that transient because it's more, hmm. it's just speaking, what does is, what is Charlie, Charlie's call it? He calls it thinking out loud in public was his term for it. And I think that's the way hmm. I treat blogging. Um, and I would hope that I kind of approach most blogs apart from maybe the ones that are written by actual pastors and stuff in that way knowing that this is something that someone someone is thinking out loud in public in a format that is different to podcasts not everyone listens to podcasts if you've got a good summary and a good headline you may reach different people or more people in a written format just because of what the the medium um, depending on what it is so there's that yeah, thinking out loud in public, I feel like described blogging and people's attitude toward blogging 
more 20 years ago than it does today. And I think maybe that's because of the ministry blogs. Like, I feel like, I feel like people, not necessarily everybody and not necessarily everybody about every blog, but I feel like people think of it more as a formal platform. Um, and part of that can have to do with like how the site is built and structured. And like, if you've gone through like, like there's a difference in my mind between just having a medium and like you built yourself a WordPress site and bought a theme and you know, you're, you're monetizing it and people can search and find things by tag. And like, you've turned well, it into a resource at well, that, that or, or you've set up a free one and not bought a theme. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, it doesn't have to be a complex, like, you don't have to that, build stuff to make it. Right. But that's what I'm saying is, like, doesn't that shape your expectation of at least what the author thinks of what he's writing? Uh, no, because I think the name still rings true. It's a web log. It's a log of thoughts or experiences or it's like an, it's like a scrapbook or a notebook. It's not a published manifesto. Um, of a particular, like it's not Desiring God, the book, you know what I mean? Like it's an article <laughs> that, that points to some of the truths that, that that book expounds on, you know what I mean? So um, it, it's just, I see it as a different medium and I, I maybe I'm 20 years older than I should be in terms of the way I'm, I'm approaching it, but I'm just saying <laughs> I approach it as in the name is, I take the name quite literally. This is um, something that someone was thinking at a point in time and uh, it may not be their current thought but it was what they thought when they hit that publish button um, so i don't have to come to it thinking it's on the same level as something i would go and pick up from my local christian bookstore if it's a christian blog tank how do you approach blogs also craig you look very young for your age why thank you <laughs> yeah i was i was trying to think the same as well um and i can see what you're getting at david that um if I'm reading something on Desiring God or the Gospel Coalition, I'm I'm reading things that I would say, you know, this I see what this person writes is what they think is truth. And like they would stand by this and maybe and not to say other people wouldn't say theirs are truth, their personal blogs are truth, but like it's it feels more official that it would take much more effort for someone to change their mind if they wrote to one of those on one of those sites because the audience would be my expectation. (laughs) And then if some, if, if I were to write, uh, when I did write, um, on my blog, um, you know, I would stand by the things I wrote. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't give what I wrote as much authority as I wrote is as if um someone wrote on uh desiring god i also wouldn't um like i wouldn't tell people yeah or so yeah so i wouldn't give myself as much authority on my blog saying like yeah this is this is like truth you should definitely believe this whereas if i wrote on desiring god if desiring god said hey we like your blog you should write an article like something I wrote on there, I would definitely want to be careful to like, this is, uh, there's no changing in this. Um, whereas, yeah, so I guess that's how I would approach uh, a, a more personal blog. I would be more open to not holding what somebody says against them or like, <laughs> I don't know if that's right. Uh, let's see. Let me try this again. 
don't hold any of this against me either because this is all <laughs> podcast. <laughs> this is how you should be approaching what I'm saying right now. Blog. <laughs> um, I think when I, when I would read somebody else's personal blog, I would approach it with saying, okay, I'm open to what this person is saying, but... Um, but I am reading it more out of a curiosity. Um, whereas oftentimes when I go to Desiring God or the Gospel Coalition, I'm looking for an answer to something. And I'm more reading theirs as if I'm getting counsel from someone I trust. Um, and since it is oftentimes people I don't know, I, would, I still don't like just have a completely accepting mind as I read it. Um, <laughs> But there is def- definitely a different attitude whenever I read their works and just click on a link that I saw someone posted and say, hey, I wonder what this guy thought about this topic. Yeah, I find this, I find this, this question of authority and formality, I guess, to be, uh, to be very interesting because it's sort of in the eye of the beholder. Like, like somebody who wrote an article for the Gospel Coalition might have been writing kind of from a like, oh, this is this is what I'm thinking about right now perspective. Hmm. But because it's on the Gospel Coalition, a lot of people aren't going to take it that way. And even like even if some mm-hmm. people are, uh, a lot of people are not. It's going to be, well, this was vetted by D.A. Carson, so it's it's gospel truth. Um, I'm sure which, he doesn't personally edit every single article. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of the, the feeling is that one of those yeah, guys, yeah. like one of the, you one should of those be able to names, trust it is the feeling. Yeah. Right. That's that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and obviously I don't share that feeling uh, with, with the gospel coalition because I find oh, myself man. diverging it's in a lot of ways. Less. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just felt the need to, to sidebar and, and mention that because otherwise it's confusing. Um, I wouldn't actually, I wouldn't even put those two on the same level as each other at the moment. I would say, I still trust Desiring God, but I'm beginning to not... There's some things about TGC that are really frustrating me at the moment. doesn't mean I don't trust them, but I think there are some issues, there's some articles that I'm just like, oh, you shouldn't have even done that. <laughs> I trust purely Presbyterian, but it's mostly because that stuff's all been vetted for like 400 years. Yeah. Nice. Um, totally lost my train of thought. Sorry. Oh, um... Well, so yeah, that that edited by DA that question of authority and uh, <clears throat> that question of authority and formality is one that I th- I think you could potentially build a site in such a way. Like, uh, there's actually a whole episode of the lightest form of flogging where I talk about why I stopped writing. Uh, that's episode fifteen, full weird owl, uh, <laughs> and it's. For me, a big part of it was because I realized that there were people who were reading my blog looking to learn about things that I believed. Not necessarily even wanting to learn truth. Like, not looking to me as a source of truth. Like, like what David says about the Trinity is correct. But looking to my blog as like, oh, David is a Presbyterian. And if I want to know what Presbyterians believe, I can read his blog and find out. Which is also not the case. <laughs> Or at least also was not the case. I feel like I'm a little bit better at that now. But I just I kind of realized that the that that people people give you weight whether or not you want them to. Uh 
and, and you don't always have control over that no matter how many times you preface or no matter no matter how many times you 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 say that you don't know what you're talking about um people will still use you to represent a position like i, w- I was seeing that sort of thing happen um and i do feel like it's different with podcasting because like you can hear uncertainty in my voice as i speak right now <laughs> um hmm. And I think that that's something that's hard to communicate in written form. Um, I don't really know where I'm going with any of this other than I don't lament Be the careful loss of what you read, people. <laughs> I, I think that I think there's way too much garbage out there. And I think there's garbage hmm. in, in all three forms that that uh, Tim Chawley mentioned. I think there, there are garbage ministry blogs, there are garbage multi-person blogs, and there are garbage personal blogs. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like we would all do well to ask ourselves the question, if they could read my blog, read what I'm writing, or read an old tested book, and for some that might be something from 10 years ago, but like a book that I trust. Like, would I rather be the person representing this or would I rather just recommend something? Uh, I don't know. I think that's a worthwhile question to ask because we all have limited time. Yeah. I agree. It's a worthwhile question to ask. I also think if I was more, if I had a little bit more Jim Briggs in me right now, I could really (laughs) push you on that point um, (laughs) because you have a particular way of viewing the world and viewing theology in particular that makes you only want to read for a hundred year, 400 year old authors. You know what I mean? Um, and so not everyone has that. Not everyone engages with that stuff in the same way that you do. And so I, I echo your sentiment about there's a whole lot of rubbish out there. Um, but I think the way, even the way that we each define rubbish is going to be slightly different. <laughs> so it's, it's super hard for us to make any kind of, um, uh, sort of concrete assertions about, and this isn't what you're doing. I'm not saying it was about what people should and shouldn't be reading, but I'd I certainly agree with the overall question as we approach the content that we come across. Um, whether from a writing perspective, you know, should I be writing this as someone else already said it and said it better, um, or from a reading perspective, you know, is this person uh, trustworthy? Are they? My pastor, the answer will nearly always be no, unless your pastor has a blog. Um, <laughs> and so, therefore, what what level of authority are you going to allow that to have in your life? And just be careful with how you steward that. I guess I do love you the, apply that. I do love the idea of pastors having blogs that are primarily for their congregation, like as they're studying mm-hmm. uh, things yeah. that they can't put into their sermon. I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, but as you, as you were saying that it occurred to me that like, no, actually like what you're saying I don't want to do is exactly what I do want to do. Like I do want to say people shouldn't be reading this. They should be reading that. Like not, not, not based on the age of the thing, but based on whether or not it's true. And I think that's the weird thing about Christian blogging where like you can think out loud in public and it's not, it's not as small a deal as when you're thinking out loud in public about your diet and how you're cutting this food group and it's made you feel better. Like that's different from saying, you know, I'm really not sure about penal substitutionary atonement anymore, or I'm really not sure that, uh, you need to be married in order to have sex. I think it's okay if you just love each other and are committed and have made a promise. Like, like people do that. Like there are tons of blogs that are doing stuff like that all over the place. Um, 
Yeah, and but again, you're you're attacking a particular segment of the Christian, quote unquote, Christian blogging market, um, which just is a caricature. It's not it's not the case for every blog. So no, I agree it, with it, you when it comes it, to those blogs that are like openly liberal or questioning key doctrines of the Christian faith or questioning the fundamentals and saying, hey, maybe there's this alternative that we haven't ever thought of before and it's brand new, but it's actually some 800-year-old heresy that's already been squashed three times over. Like I, I certainly agree with that, but I think I think there is still some space for thinking out loud in public. Um, it's mm. just it just has to be approached the the right way. I don't know. Maybe right. we maybe we will I never think. agree on this, David. <laughs> no, I, th- I think you and I do agree <laughs> on that. I think that the problem is, what do you do about the people who are like? I would I would venture to say that more people thinking out loud in public on blogs are doing it in ways that are either heterodoxy or or, or outright heresy than yeah, are sure. thinking out loud in orthodox ways. So like, yeah, yeah. should we, I don't know, like, can't we take some solace in the fact that like, well, at least a lot of people aren't reading John Pavlovitz regularly anymore. <laughs> or Rob Bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think, I wonder though, like the if there are people who are writing those things that you, you expressed, um, and then there's random person who's just, who's reading that. And, you know, they read, they read person who says, I don't like penal substitutionary atonement anymore. Um, and then they go and see me post, um, you know, what that guy said was wrong. Here's this book that if you read, you would see why, you know, they're not going to read that book. They'll just say, oh, I guess some people disagree with this point. Um, whereas I'd said, here's my reasoning. Uh, here's my response in a, in a similarly formatted blog post um, uh, to this. Then they, may, then they may read that. And even they would be more likely to read if I said, like, here's, I don't agree with what that person said. Here's so-and-so responding to it. That's more likely than saying, here, read this book. But still, they don't know that person either. But if they say... If I'm saying like, hey, you know me and this is what I wrote, then maybe they're more likely to. And so I guess the pro in that is what, you know, that quote I said from Charlie's at the beginning, like just because there are responses out there doesn't mean everyone's going to go read them. Um, Whereas people may read what I write because they know me and like me. Um, I don't write anything. So this I'm not using an actual example, but. Um, but I guess then the trade-off would be to say like, what if I write something that's not vetted, um, and therefore is wrong. And so, yeah, because people trust me, they read something that I wrote that was terrible. And now I disagree with a year later and really wish I hadn't mm-hmm. written. And maybe I can write a new blog post over that, but it's too late because they're never going to read this one for whatever reason. <laughs> um, but I just, I feel like in, in kind of the things that you're suggesting, David, it sounds like, or to me, my question is where does the average Christian go? Can we still have blogs? Can we even have a podcast or YouTube videos? Because, you know, our, what, what is our role in, in creating content that is beneficial to people? Because um, we could always say things that are wrong because we're not yeah. pastors. And maybe some of us have degrees, but... I agree 100%. And that's, I mean, the thing that kind of makes me nervous about saying oh you know we shouldn't have as much of this in general across the board is that um you could apply uh 
the idea of like what you were just saying, Tank, about, you know, you might write something and then a year later re- realize you could have written it better or you could have you could have said something that was actually more correct than, than what you thought at the time. And so, you know, the idea of having to rewrite that to correct it, um, but then no one will listen to it. I think, you know, I mean, you could you could extrapolate that out to evangelism and say a year ago when I was evangelizing, yeah, sure, I, I still had the the core tenets of the gospel in my in the way that I evangelized, but there was this thing and this thing and this thing that I said that could have been insensitive or could have come across as not being, um, you know, uh, doing it with gentleness and respect or you know what I mean. Like we are not perfect and we will never be perfect, so it feels like there needs to be a level of if we are going to blog, then we should do it humbly and prayerfully and carefully. Um, but if we're doing that, and I think accountability comes into this. I've talked before about how I, I let my pastor know that I have a blog and my dad knows that I have a blog. My dad has been uh, a Baptist pastor uh, before his retirement. So there are some people, trusted people in my life who I intentionally make sure they know that it's there and hopefully they see the posts that can correct me fairly quickly if if correction is needed. Um, but I think if we approach it in a careful, um, considered way, then it, I think it's kind of like anything we say from a Christian perspective, speaking as ambassadors for Jesus. We always need to be careful with the way we present um, his message because it is his message. Uh, and so we might have thoughts and we might have things that people might find interesting or that they haven't heard before that might help them think differently about that. Um, that aren't in a 400-year-old book because of the way, where we're up to in society and culture, and maybe that's helpful to someone. But we just need to be aware of the fact that that what we're putting out there um, is actually, as Christians, is actually not just representing ourselves, it's representing uh, God and his message. And so we do need to be careful. But if we, allow, if, we, if we make that a stopping point and say, well, no, I can't do, I won't do this because there's a chance I might get something wrong in, a, in the process, then what else does that stop us doing? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like that, that just seems like it could become a huge um, blocking point for all sorts of things in the Christian life. Because if we're only ever happy with what we consider to be perfection, that's just not. Um, it doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for that, but it's actually not attainable. So we have to have some other sort of scaffolding to help us along the way try to um, be wise and do things to the best of our ability and then trust God with the outcome, if that makes sense. Yeah. Analysis by paralysis is a real thing. Like I, 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 do, I do affirm that there, there has to be a point at which you say, well, I'm certain of this and I'm going to say it. Um, <clears throat> but... I guess I'm going to draw a really weird analogy here and I know we need to wrap up. So uh, hopefully we can, I, I can, we can all keep this short, but uh, hmm. imagine that everybody is swimming in a pool, 30% of which is filled with urine and you have buckets of water, buckets and buckets of water. That's, that's your supply of water. And you can pour those buckets into the pool to try to dilute it so that it's less less urine and more water. But what you don't know is what the urine content of your buckets is. And it's, it's one thing when you are talking to somebody and you're having a conversation with them and they really need help and they need water. And, and you give them the water that you have with you and you say, well, you know, I'm not an expert, like, but I have this for you. It's one thing to do it in that context. It's another thing to decide that the pool that's already largely filled with urine 
that you're just going to dump it in and you know who knows like who knows what's going to happen um and i guess like the 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 thing is that the reason there's so much urine in the pool is because so many people have been pouring unknown amounts of urine into the pool like like the problem is actually scale and by adding what you have that may or may not be good into the pool you are actually only adding to the problem the problem would go away if everybody said we should leave this we should leave this to 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 vetted experts like the, not that it would go away entirely but it would certainly be a lot less um and so so i guess like where that leaves me um because i noticed in the chat one of my co-hosts <clears throat> craig uh said then we shouldn't be podcasting <laughs> Well, I actually do believe that. Like, like, and what I mean by that is I'm not doing a theology podcast. Like, like I'm not out there trying to teach people theology. I, I used to do that, and then I stopped, and now I try to do things that are adjacent to Christianity, like how Christianity specifically affects things that I am uniquely qualified to speak to because I'm an expert on that thing and I'm a Christian versus uh, talking, about, talking about theology as an end in itself. Um, and and the lightest form of flogging is totally totally not a theology <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so for me, where that leaves me is asking the question: Here are some buckets that I didn't make that I know are not filled with urine or have very minimal urine counts in them because they've been they've been vetted for hundreds of years. How can I get that content into people's hands? Because it's you're right; it's not just a question of like, oh, here's a book. Like, how can I get that content into a form factor that people? People who wouldn't otherwise see it will we'll get to it. And that's actually... I have some projects that I'm dedicating a lot of time to right now trying to trying to push that agenda. Hmm. I like your picture. The, the, the urine? Tank likes the urine. Yeah, that was good. Did you come up with uh, that? Just now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it, wasn't my, uh, it wasn't my number two analogy, but it was my number one. <laughs> okay we should wrap things up i know craig already has things that he wants to respond with uh no no no, i've got nothing further nothing oh no no you you put it in the chat you put it in the chat Uh, (laughs) you can put it in the the slack and we can all discuss it on the slack which you can get to by going to (laughs) slack.techreformation.com this is another reason by the way that i like podcasting over and against blogging because blogging comments have really died like as blogs have died, blogging comments have been like the first, the first, uh, mm-hmm. the first uh, victims. And so, what one mm-hmm. thing that I love about podcasting is there's always tons of discussion and a follow up segment. Um, so, if you would like to well, say on, things on every we'll ho- on every podcast, David hosts, there's always a follow up section. <laughs> it's true. Me and John Syracuse. Uh, so, if you would like to participate in the discussion that we're having as we think out loud in public, you can get to that by going to slack.techreformation.com. We'd love to see you. There's also our website, uh, techreformation.com, um, where all of our past somewhat urine filled shows <laughs> can be found. <laughs> Hopefully less than 30%. This has been (laughs) the Tech Reformation. Thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week.
we need some of that chemical on our uh, website that like turns the ones that are more urine filled purple <laughs> so that people can kind of avoid yes. those ones. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure we have some. There's probably a Ruby on Rails extension for that. 